0: I am Betty Collins, and this is Inspiring Women, a podcast presented by my company, Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women toward economic, and social, and political achievement. And I, Betty Collins, am here to inspire you today on your journey in life, which includes so many things. This is all about you. I am thankful that you're listening, but more importantly, that you're investing time in yourself. You can find more about inspiring women in this episode on the resources tab at BradyWare.com. So today we're going to talk about authenticity. Huge subject. Um, something that people just need to talk about and they need to see for sure. So, and this is a first. I have a fan of my podcast being interviewed. Um, and that's life is good for me with with that for sure. But today's topic, you know, we just need to it needs to be discussed as we live in a crazy world where people long for authentic leaders or people who are authentic. Um, and and what I found in this guest that I'm I'm working with today is it's a strategy I I I'd never thought of it in that way. So I'm, I'm excited that we're going to talk about that. Um, My guest today is going to give us a new perspective and uh, hopefully inspire you, right? So being authentic, you know, it's a great secret weapon. According to my guest today, she's going to talk about that. And um, her personality and energy are evident on everything I found in my research of her. She just kind of jumps off the page and she excites you from the beginning. So I'm not going to talk about a whole lot of being authentic because I really want um, you guys to hear from her and we're just going to have a great conversation. So today, my guest is Erin Hasekostas of Be Authentic, Inc. So Erin, did I get that right? Because it's a great You nailed it, buddy. You Uh, nailed it. Okay, great. She was a CEO of a nine-figure healthcare company at the age of 42. Very impressive. And after leading a massive company turnaround, she decided to retire from that corporate world and start up her own company, Be Authentic, Inc., You know, she was fed up with the sticky stuff, the corporate BS, wanted to help people have big-ass careers without compromising everything else. Uh, she is now an internationally recognized leader on, on the topic of authenticity in the workplace. She is a career and a leadership coach, TEDx speaker, which, by the way, I would love to do one day, but I probably never will. She's a pod- you, will. <laughs> Yeah, I, I should try. She's a podcast co-host and, uh, and author coming very soon. We'll talk about her book. And she is a, a podcast host edutainer. Never heard the word. You ought to put a, a patent on that. Um, so I'm just so appreciative, Aaron, today of your willingness to be on the podcast. And my, I know my audience is going to be glad and thankful that they came on with us today. So welcome to Inspiring Women. And first, I just want, you know, tell about you, wife, mother, coach, runner, and running man enthusiast. Explain that one. So just talk a little <laughs> bit about you
1: yeah let's let's start by unpacking the most important thing the yes. running man enthusiast running yes. man is a is a dance like okay. from the 80s you know the one where you sort of put put one leg in front of the other. Um, yeah, I, I ever since college have sort of been known for my running man not not because it's good but because <laughs> it's it's authentic okay. uh, so I've been known to break that out uh, kind of anywhere I go. Yeah, just it's so great to be on, and I love what you're doing. And uh, you know, you have a very authentic podcast. So you you pass the test. I sort of walk around with this weird like radar, and I can smell in authenticity a mile away. And <laughs> didn't smell it here. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, I you know I spent my first half of my career uh, in the in the corporate world. I'm a small town girl. Uh, didn't didn't you know? Grew up with teachers as parents in northern Michigan. Um, always had a little bit of little sass. I did well in school and I and I and I was always kind of driven by um, proving that I could do things I didn't think I could do. Both yes. for myself and and a little bit for for people around me and you know found my way out to Connecticut uh, working for Aetna, very large, you know, Fortune 50 now, now part of a Fortune 5 company. And, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I listened to your episode on the C-suite. I wasn't, you know, that person that was like, I, you know, I want to become a, you know, C-suite executive or I want to attain this. I just, I always was driven by that uncomfortable, that challenge. Um, I have this rule, like in order to like, catapult your career, you really always have to be getting 50% uncomfortable with every move you make. And that was kind of, that was kind of what I did. I, you know, I would, I would have a role, I, you know, I would I'd do well. And then I would say, okay, what can I do next that I kind of know half of what I'm doing, but you know, half of it's like, who, who the hell knows? I love it And you know, so never, you know, with each career move, never like this, I'm not a planner whatsoever. So never like this, this five-year plan. Um, but, but always found success in, and sort of getting uncomfortable. And then, you know, this other thing that I hadn't quite figured out what it was. And, and so, yeah, as you mentioned, um, I ended up a subsidiary company of Aetna, uh, a company that we had acquired. I joined the team and, basically every time a new executive from from the acquired company left they were like oh let's give it to Aaron (laughs) and so you know I I kept getting more work and more responsibilities and actually I talk about it in the TED talk and I thought about it when you were talking about your C-suite episode when I this might be annoying to some people I'm sorry but here's the truth Um, when I was first kind of offered the COO position of this subsidiary company. I actually said no.
0: Mm.
1: I actually you know I remember it was a Friday. I actually I talk about it in the TED talk and it was cuz I ran this career this compromise calculation I call it. You know, it was like the quick like hmm I'm making this much money and if I take this job I'm going to have to you know I'm going to have to sacrifice or compromise this much more and it's sort of like "Ah, i'm good where i'm at right like i don't want to tip that graph um and then kind of one of one of many turning points but one of my big epiphanies is i thought about it over the weekend and talked to people you know half of which did not push me to go for it to be honest i realized that the reason i main reason i said no is i i didn't want to like have to fit into this mold or this sort of like club. And I don't want to say it's just a men's club, but, you know, largely inhabited by men, but sure. other executives. And, you know, you know, that club to me was this tipping point where, you know, things I worried about my ego growing and my, you know, I talk about in the Ted talk, my calendar overflowing, my home life becoming a shit show. And then, you know, maybe my personality even, even starting to blow. Yeah. And, and so the epiphany I had was wait a minute. And I tell this to your listeners because I, this, I, keep learning this for every part of my life. You shouldn't not do something because you hate the way it was done before. You can, Mm. you can actually do it your own way. And so just to kind of wrap up, you know, my my backdrop, you know, ended up saying yes. Um, and as I started, you know, taking on this, this higher level position, you know, at that point I had realized that kind of this concept of being authentic, I had let myself be authentic and it's just kind of who I was. But I was starting to realize that my authenticity was something that was actually propelling me forward. And so at the time, subconsciously,
0: sure.
1: I turned it up and I realized whether it was negotiating a contract or introductions and in meetings or, you know, presenting at a large, you know, quarterly business review, that the things that made me authentic, the storytelling and the humor and the humility and the and the components were actually, as you mentioned at the beginning, they were kind of my secret weapon for success. Um, And so after I went through, you know, that, that run as I then eventually became the CEO the next year, turned around the company. um, And that's when I started to realize maybe I have something unique in the world that I need to do.
0: Yes, you definitely have something unique. I mean, in, in today's world, authenticity is a whole new meaning right now. And, you know, when I grew up in the 80s, back in the day where you were doing that man dance, <laughs> that running man <laughs> thing, um, you just, that was kind of a given a lot of the times. Now it's the exception, and, and that's sad. You know, it, it's what attracted I, – I loved your, your company and why you started all about it. Well, thank you for introducing – you know, just giving us a great backdrop of kind of um, uh, a little bit about you. And, but, you know, you started out as an actuary okay (laughs) (laughs) that's like saying oh i'm an accountant yay you know we're kind of in the same group along with engineers but how did that translate into becoming a corporate ceo
1: yeah you know much like most people we we kind of trip and stumble our way into our careers all, all along the way you know mine was you know mine was that i am um I love to carve my own path, but I'm also kind of, I, I call myself a little bit of an instant gratification whore. And as soon as somebody like gives me an idea, <laughs> I run with it. Yes. And I was actually in college, I, I started in engineering, didn't like that, but I continued to take math classes. And one day my sophomore year, my, my roommate who knew I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, she was in the business college already. And she came home and she was so excited. And she was like, Karen, I found it. I found the career for you. It's high pay. It's low stress. And you just have to be good at math. And you're the only person I know that's good at math. It's called an actuary. And, you know, you can probably relate. This is back in the 90s. You know, there was no click into Google. What's an actuary? And no freaking clue. (laughs) Um, And so it turned into, you know, a library run with, you know, ugly pamphlets that gave me nothing other than a company name addresses and phone numbers that employed these such actuaries that had these high pay, low stress jobs. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where I started. And, and the, and the funny story I tell, I mean, I failed miserably. I never, you know, if for, for your listeners, if you don't know actuaries become actuaries through professional exams, you have to take these very difficult math exams. They're actually graded on a curve. So all yeah. the smart people that come in kind of knock you out. And, um, I, I, I failed, like, all six, I think, that I took. Wow. Um, well, I know I failed all of them. But the <laughs> the first summer when I was interning, um, it sort of really ties into, you know, so the irony of what I'm doing now. We we had, like, a professional development day. Like, every Friday we'd hear speakers, et cetera. And one Friday they gathered us 12 interns into this big hotel ballroom to do a Myers-Briggs assessment. Mm. And, you know, so we all finished our exam. I was sort of like, oh, finally something I, you know, I won't fail at. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the actuaries compiled all the results as, you know, actuaries do. And we were just like in this huge ballroom. There's only like 15 of us. We're in this like oversized ballroom. And they put up on this huge, huge screen the results. And they put them in a matrix. It was like a, a, a two by two matrix. And I remember looking up. And all I could see that was that I was all by myself. Wow. It was the only one in my quadrant. And, you know, that obviously was the signal that it wasn't quite, even though I yeah. was quote unquote good at math, it wasn't the right path. But, you know, now I look back and it's like that thing that put me in the in the quadrant all by myself is actually, you know, is is my uniqueness that I'm now making, a, you know, making a life out of.
0: Right. You're leveraging it. You know? yeah. I mean, I've had to do that in my career as a CPA. I'm not your normal CPA. And mm-hmm. I chose accounting because it would be a good job, okay? I, was, I grew up as a tasker. Everything was about you've got to be a tasker. And, yeah. I mean, my story is kind of like yours in a way of, though, my nevers became my opportunities. I, I didn't want to be a CPA, but I got it. I didn't want to be a business owner, but I did it. And I didn't want to merge into a large company, let alone do podcasts, about inspiring women. I mean, it was all these things I would say I would never do, but then it kept being drawn to that. And I leveraged my uniqueness, which is personality, which you don't find a lot in accounting. Yeah. Everybody thinks I'm good at math. I never had to take a math course because <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you do. But, but you know, th- then you became this corporate CEO of a large company, a very young age. I mean, you crushed it at 42. That's just hugely impressive. But what made you decide to walk away from that? and start your own company. I mean, that's a big aha moment. That just doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. So it, it doesn't, you know, one thing I had learned about myself though, you know, especially, you know, you talked about in your podcast about the different seasons, right. And the different mm-hmm. ages in my forties, I at least knew that in my career, this pattern had emerged. It was like almost masochistic. As soon as I was getting really comfortable, I was becoming, like, the go-to person, you know, I could read an email in a hot second and know the answer, like, I would get Mm stir-crazy, and it was always um, at first before I realized it, and then, you know, later I just kind of succumbed to it. You know, it would it would be frustrating, right? Because I literally could hear these two different voices. Like one would be like, "What the frick is your problem? Like, right. can't you just enjoy it?" Especially when I was having kids, right? Like, right. you just just relax, just you know, glide in this job. This is a good time. And then the other side of me would be like, "But you, you kind of suck when you're not when you're not fired up. When you don't have a challenge, like you're you're kind of just average, and you know, you go home feeling like you're not giving it your all." And so that pattern had emerged, you know, in my career. Well, it was emerging again after, you know, leading this company for three years, really getting it turned around both financially and culturally. And I had the itch, as I called it. Right. But I could tell this time that, again, it has to be 50 percent, like, uncomfortable. Like, and, you know, they were actually trying to keep me. They were throwing other executive jobs at me. And it was sort of like when you go out for a meal and you look at the menu and you're like secretly kind of like trying on like do I feel like a burger or a taco or and but nothing tasted good and Mm -hmm. and I think it was because not that I had the biggest job right like definitely these other jobs would be more challenging at higher level I I wasn't the best c-suite executive ever but I just knew that it would be too much of the same formula too much of the same sort of leadership things I'd have to do yeah at the same time, you know, 22 years, not only in corporate, but I was in the same parent company that whole time. It was sort of like, if I don't do something now every year Mm -hmm. for both internal and external reasons, it'll get harder. And so I was contemplating it. I wasn't really telling many people about it. I had an executive coach I was confiding in, and I went on a business trip and I ended up sitting next to this really nice woman. And she had been in the corporate world for about 10 years at the beginning of her career and then left to start her own company. She had a small HR um, consulting practice. And, you know, she just seemed so happy. And I was just asking her question after question. And then like we do with with strangers on a plane or we used to, you know, pre-COVID, um, yes. we, we confide, you know, we sometimes confide the things that we mm-hmm. wouldn't tell anybody else. Right. Because <laughs> we're going to see this, this right. woman again. And and so I said to her, I said, you know, I'm asking so many questions because I'm starting to think about what's next for me. And and I kind of think it's it's out on my own. I don't know what it is, but I think it's, you know, kind of leaving the company I've been at. And then, as soon as it came out of my mouth, like I heard it and and I was like, what the hell that's stupid like <laughs> and I said to her I said, but that would be really stupid of me right now because you know my reputation is at like an all-time high everybody knew that I had led this turnaround you know they were throwing big things at me and she just she just looked at me and she was just so matter of fact so succinct and she was just like, who
0: says this is the top? Wow <laughs> From a stranger. And this I am is a complete stranger.
1: Complete stranger. Mm. Not anymore. I, I I plug her on LinkedIn all the time now. But sure. you know, and I immediately could that metaphor came to life. I immediately could see the mountain range. Yeah. And I immediately was like, Oh my God, what if I never know what it's like to hike up that mountain? Or I don't know what the view is from the side or the top of that, you know, that peak over there. Mm-hmm. And and so ultimately, you know my decision, like, I think, you know, there's a couple ways people either are faced with something major, right? Health scare, job layoff, or the fear of not doing something mm-hmm. becomes so much greater than the fear of leaving. And that's really what happened for me that mm-hmm. it, it was overwhelmingly more fearful, um, that I didn't, you know, that I might go through my life and not know what it's like to, to try to, you know, conquer a new mountain.
0: You know, And you don't know how how fortunate you are that you had that light go on at four, in your 40s, mm-hmm. right? Because so many – you hit 50, and all of a sudden you, you're thinking things you never thought before. And from 40 to 50 is a long season, and it's a season that really counts at that pivotal moment. So you're really fortunate that – you. I mean, a complete stranger on a plane – helped you come to that. That's, that's phenomenal. I love that. Um, yeah. So taking the risk, I mean, you know, it's why I went into accounting because I wasn't a risk taker till too late in my life. But so we're talking about being authentic, you know, why do you think the corporate workplace, let's just call it the entire world <laughs> is so <laughs> fake and what can we do to change it? I think that's Americans today are like, it's all too much. But how can we change it, you know?
1: Yeah, you, you know, when people ask me that a lot of why do you think it's the way it is. And and mm-hmm. it's um, it's simply, it's very simple. We emulate those people before us. And we've gotten into this vortex. You know, at some point, you know, some person, some people, some massive people started to find success by, you know, looking more buttoned up at work or you know name any of the things you know having big fancy powerpoints in the modern day era like and and they had some level of success and what we do and we do this as parents we do this as friends you know whether it's what we just watch or we want the best for people right and so as mentors and sponsors and um, you know, HR teams, they, they, they want to give the formula for success, but they've seen work. The problem is nobody ever just like steps back and goes, Oh my God, wait a minute. Like we've been following, we've been in this vortex for 20 years and, and, and nobody's like snapped out and and said, wait, is there a different way or is this working? And, you know, for me, it's the reason I'm so passionate about it too. Not only did it work for me, it was, you know, There's so many people fed up and burnt out, right, in corporate America. I'm sure you and your listeners, like, whether it's them or their family member or their friends, and there's so much BS and there's so much extra layers. And I felt like, you know, when I was kind of in it, I could complain about it, but it was sort of like it is what it is. Yeah. But once, Betty, I cut through all that BS, largely, right? I'm not perfect, but largely, and didn't succumb to that and had success, like, I felt like I had the right to cry my own bullshit, right? Like, yeah. there is a better way. And it's not just me, right? Like, I have so many people that emulate. I mean, one of the most recent, um, John Fetterman, I don't know if you caught his interview, but I, I highly recommend it to, to you and your listeners. Okay. What a great example. So John, um, is it John? Yeah, John Fetterman. He is the um, lieutenant governor in pennsylvania and he was just on cbs's sunday morning okay. this last weekend and this guy i mean he's six foot eight he showed up to the interview in a carhartt jacket a, a fluorescent yellow neck thing and athletic shorts Love it. He has <laughs> tattoos on both arms actually of when he was the mayor of a town of all the dates of, de- of the murders in the town i mean mm. he just speaks his mind and I think, you know, when you ask the question, like, how do we turn it around? One of the things I talk a lot about is the good news with authenticity, unlike maybe some other things you'll read in leadership books and career books, like it's incredibly contagious in, in, in all directions, you know? So I even talk about how, you know, I used authenticity and my first boss was, was not very authentic at (laughs) all, right? So it's not something I got handed on a plate or inspired by people above me it actually is something that, you know, a lot of it was inspired by my father, but, you know, watching people around me. And then ultimately I was even further fueled by the employees that were within my organization. So the way we turn it around, and I talk a lot about this in my book, like, it's not just about saying like, it's great to come on your podcast and talk about it, but it's really about modeling it. It's really about being that person that we all want to be when we see like the whether it's john fetterman or quite frankly kamala harris has been very authentic michelle obama like when we see those people that were like <sighs> so refreshing right it you is. know just in the uh, you know and we see not only the refreshing but we see that they're having success right like they're not income poops; <laughs> right. something's going right for them it like unlocks something like that's dormant inside of all of us even kind of the some of the shittier people that have been the stuffier people so you know i always say you know my job isn't to inspire people it's really to create an inspiration platform and just plant the seeds and the fires and 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 highlight the people and just you know keep keep going out and just lighting these little fires everywhere so that we can finally you know get out of that
0: vortex yep well I mean that there's just a lot there. I mean, I could replay that over several times because you know what can we do to change it we We all need to to engage in that, embrace that, and really really do some more than just think about it, you know and just talk about it um so question this is a great question. I love this. Have you always been authentic? <laughs> And what made you that way? You've kind of talked about that. But, you know, when did you really start seeing that I the authentic, you know, it's my strategy. It's my secret weapon. But have you always been that way?
1: Yeah, you know, back to the like, why are we not authentic or why are we in certain ways? Right. We emulate the people before us. I was lucky enough to have a father who was not in business, but he was a teacher. And he was a really beloved, successful teacher. And he would come home you know, almost every night from school, sometimes I'd be hanging out. Sometimes I wouldn't, but, you know, he'd sit at the counter and, and talk to my mom and, you know, instead of the normal, like complaining about this or students or whatever, he would tell story after story of just these unique ways that he taught. Um, you know, he, he was constantly doing metaphors analogies and games and, um, it, and I knew that, like, he had great success in doing that. And so I think for me, the it, you know, the first thing is it's not just enough probably to see people, like I said, that are being authentic. You, you also have to draw the line to their success, right? You have to say, okay, A, they're being authentic, and B, like, it's not just okay. Like it is, they are successful, right? Like, so the formula is complete. So I think that's really where it started for me. I think in the, in my, in my journey and my business and what I talk about a lot, especially in the book is it's just about constant experiments. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's about going, you know, going into a meeting instead of giving the same stuffy intro about your background, maybe telling a story. And then Kind of watching, like, do people listen right. a little bit more? Do they sit up? Do they smile? And once they do that, right, you you just inherently kind of as I call it, you kind of get addicted to it. And then you're like, okay, what's the next experiment? And in my head, I was always thinking, like, what would I want? You know, or what am I sick of? Like, am I sick of you know the corporate communications with the headshot of the leader who we all know what they look like, right? right. Like, <laughs> Instead, I'm taking that off. Everybody knows what I look like by this point. And I'm going to tell a story. And then I'm going to talk about, you know, some changes we're making. Like, I was just always kind of with the lens of like, what drives me crazy? And why don't I just like, if it drives me crazy, probably drives everybody else crazy. Why don't I, why don't I do it my own way?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, um, the corporate picture thing, uh, I've had to have this issue about, I don't want to look like, that is not what I look like. Okay, so just let me like smile, tilt my head, do my little thing with my fingers. That's who I am, right? And yeah. I just have had this big battle, but we, so every time I see the accountant picture come out, it irritates me, but anyways, um, cause it's just not me, you know, this is not, yeah. this is not me right here. Right. Um, but authentic- that's
1: why I went, that's one why the, 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 I was you know, at an event and they're like, we're doing professional headshots. And that's why you'll see everybody got their headshots and I have a picture of me doing the running man.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I got to see, I got to find that because I, that you've intrigued me with that. That's good. But, you know, authenticity is a strength strategy. I love that when I saw that on, you know, you're really passionate about that. And, and I haven't thought about it that way. Cause I just, we all want to think we're authentic, right? We all want to do, but I'd love to get your perspective. You know, some people just fear that being too authentic exposes too much. What mm-hmm. do you think? What do you think about that? Tell us your, tell, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so for me, I, I know those fears are out there, right? But I, but I would you know, I would think back to my career and I'm like, well, no, but it worked for me. And what I've really spent the last two years is exploring, okay, what is actually authenticity? Because in my head, intuitively, I knew it wasn't just this free willing, you know, la da go into work and do whatever you know you'd do at a pool party. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I knew, but I, and so actually, um, as I was writing the TED talk and the book, you know, I started to to do some research, and I, so I started first with what's the origin of the word, right? Like, let's yeah. go to the Greeks, um, and you know, the the origin of the word is authenticos, and that word actually means to be genuine, but it means also to be original and to be authoritative, mm-hmm. and like I talk about, it's like this beautiful intersection between being yourself, but also being a little badass. And I knew that about myself. You know, every, people call me authentic nonstop right so the label has been smacked on me but i knew um i wasn't also just you know i was kind of really approachable and stuff but i also could be tough right like mm-hmm. i knew when to like snap things into place and and so first of all you know i think for many people they think authenticity and transparency mm-hmm. are synonyms and they're not you know authenticity especially as we talk about in the workplace It's not, I don't want to say it's an oxymoron and be somebody you're not, right? Because then we just go in a whole other direction. But it is a much more nuanced word. And then um, as I was writing my book, it was interesting. When I first started writing my book, so it's called You Do Mm You-ish. And part of the reason for the ish, I'm hoping, it's fun. As people see it, everybody's kind of placing the ish in different, and I love it. They're like, I think the ish is because of this. But for me, you know, I, I wrote ish because it's not just about you do you. And what I, what I wanted to do is come up with, okay, so then how do we define it? It's inherently, you know, it's inherently personal, but there is a thing. We all know it when we see, you know, the M- Michelle Obamas of the, of the world. And so it, c- kind of leveraging this authenticos and knowing it was more nuanced, I came up, excuse me, with um, what I call the six principles of strategic authenticity. And it's actually a, an acronym HUMANS. And so the components that um, I believe are really like at the heart of what authenticity is, are being humble, being unexpected, modeling. So I talk a lot about modeling versus managing mindset, Um, adapting, which, again, can sound like an oxymoron. We could talk about it if you want it, but it's not (laughs) adapting, um, narrating just kind of storytelling and sparking or inspiring others and so when I as I mentioned you know when I realized that authenticity wasn't just a way of being for me that it was actually a strategy not just in my career I mean quite frankly my life it's it's like this speed pass to connecting with people and getting trust and once I realized that I was actually using it purposely i, mm-hmm. I kind of used to say that with quotes because it was like a subconscious purposely and now it's not as subconscious you know i wanted to be able to help others and so you know that's kind of what i do in my book i walk through not just i walk through the business case for authenticity and then i talk about you know the sucky songs that are holding us back so that's kind of my before i helped for you to to have this new strategy we have to kind of Prime you and get rid of all the shit right and um and then i talk about you know how you purposely use these six elements of authenticity at work to be able to not just have a big career but my everything is how do you have a big career and not compromise everything else
0: right right that's the the big question of of the day for women for 40 (laughs) the 40 years that they're doing whatever they're doing Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, your book. Uh, now, is it is it out yet, or when is it coming out? It- it's um, officially releasing February 15th. Certainly, I, I definitely want it. And with my women's initiative, I'm always trying to get them to read books, okay? They just think it's the craziest thing. So yeah. I do the yeah. Betty Collins short version to e- try to intrigue them, and then sometimes they'll read it. But I think it's going to be a, a fantastic book, um, just based on on talking with you today and, and reading a little bit about it. But um, I like the, also on your titling, how you have Unleash Your Authentic Superpowers to Get the Career Career you deserve. Um that was a, that that was a great that lured me right in. Um uh but Oh thank the
1: God Betty because I gotta tell you it was harder naming this damn book than <laughs> writing it. So so thank you because that is actually subtitle number three. Oh wow uh, because if you you know, I'm sure you've been in this place before. Like you, you can get so wrapped in your head. So, so thank yes.
0: you for saying. <laughs> no, I hate picking the title for the podcast. As simple as it is, I'm like because it's got to be like why would why would I listen to this podcast? It's got to grab someone right there, and I always have a hard time doing it. So. Unfortunately, my people are very good about it but this has been such a treat but I, I, I have one more question yeah um, so wonderful I love the Ackerman acumen, the human that that's fantastic um, but what's the one takeaway that you just want my audience to hear today what would you want them to if they're gonna if they're gonna get it what's what is the ending um, that they can easily take with yeah. them? yeah
1: Yeah. You know, the the one thing I really love them to think about is is to think about this 50 percent rule and not just in their career, as I mentioned, using it to get 50 percent uncomfortable, but also as they learn and they get advice, whether they're, you know, where I'm at now, entrepreneurial world, where it's like drinking from a fire hose again and and you're so Mm -hmm. tempted, rightfully so, and you want to learn from others before you. But then sometimes you walk away and just go, oh, I don't want to do that, or this doesn't feel right. Use this 50% rule to help you do it your own way. So, you know, as people are giving you, whether it's career advice or business advice or parenting advice or whatever it is, you know, take in 50% of it. But the other 50%, do it your own freaking way. Mm
0: -hmm. Do
1: it your own way. That's how we progress. That's how we innovate. That's how we are able to feel like we're authentic. And that's how we make the world a better place.
0: Great, great, great thoughts. Great way to end. I am so honored, Aaron, that you listened to my podcast and you love it. <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> yeah. you love it. I'm putting those words in your mouth, but I really am honored yeah, that you no, would listen keep to doing it. What and
1: you're doing. and it's go wonderful.
0: it's very encouraging because you are just a step above the crowd. So thank you for your time today and your willingness to be here. I'm appreciative. I'm so I'm sure my audience will be as well.
1: You're welcome.
0: My pleasure. Well, I am Betty Collins, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. Inspiring women, this is what I do. I leave this with you. Being strong speaks of strength, but being courageous speaks to having a will to do more and overcome. As your career advancements continue, your financial opportunities will grow. You need to be prepared. And you can do that by going to our website, bradyware.com, to find out more about us and the accounting services that we provide. All this and more about the podcast can be found in the episode show notes.